Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 439 of the Juice Box Podcast. On today's show, I'm going to be speaking with Lindsay, and this episode is another in the How We Eat series. So number 400 is How We Eat Carnivore, number 373, How We Eat Vegan Cat, number 405, How We Eat Plant-Based, and today, of course, we'll be talking about a gluten-free diet, amongst many other things. Lindsay has had type 1 diabetes for a very long time. She's also had celiac for a really long time. Not as long as the diabetes, but still, you'll see. Today, she's on the show to tell her story. And of course, we're going to talk about how she eats. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan we're becoming bold with insulin. I don't normally do this, but Lindsay, if you're listening, I just went back to see your initial email that you sent me and your life is so full and rich and we basically didn't talk about any of it. So you can come back on whenever you want. Send me an email. No kidding. We should never have talked about the celiac. Look at all this stuff. Boat captain... Is that what that says? Firefighter, business owner, skydiving, marathon. Does that say? Wait, hold on a second. It's a deckhand. A deckhand on a fishing boat, not a boat captain. I mean, I've never been on a boat, so that all kind of seems the same to me. Anyway, before we get started... Let me just throw in my deep voice and tell you that nothing... No, that was already said that. (laughs) Oh boy, here we go. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Head over to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to learn more about the CGM that I think is life-changing for people who are using insulin. And of course, the insulin pump that my daughter's been using since she was four years old is the Omnipod. And it is a tubeless insulin pump. Why don't you check it out and even get them to send you a free no obligation demo by going to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. While you're out there on the internet, check out touchedbytype1.org. It's a great little organization that does amazing things for people with type 1 diabetes. Touchedbytype1.org. And you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. And the person who started Touched by Type 1 is going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. My name is Lindsay. I live in New Jersey. I've been a type one for, well, since I was six years old. So for about 27 years, I just hit my 27th year in July and I've been celiac for about 16 years. Okay. How did uh, the celiac present itself? So when I switched doctors from a pediatric endocrinologist to um, an adult doctor when I was um, a teenager, they uh, ran it, the celiac test as a random uh, routine test for new patients. And um, the one marker did come back positive. Of course, um, when they do the blood work, it'll come back positive, but then it has to be confirmed with a biopsy uh, through an endoscopy. 
um, which was also done and it was confirmed. Um, I, I had no idea at the time what it was. I'd never heard of it. My mom had never heard of it. And uh, we kind of, we started from that point, uh, totally gluten-free. So were you living with type one for about a decade without understanding that you had celiac, do you think? Yes, I, I do. And in looking back in hindsight, um, I always had just kind of like a funky stomach. I, I can't, I have no other way to describe it. Um, just very, very agitated. I was uncomfortable a lot and I felt like it was a lot more than it should be. Um, so all throughout elementary and middle school, I just was in a lot of discomfort. Yeah. And looking back now, I, I do believe that I was celiac positive at that point. I'm trying to decide if you guys come on and try to name the shows while you're talking, because I'm very drawn to Funky Stomach as the title for this episode, just so you, <laughs> so you know. I, I love it. I think it's I think it's a great <laughs> title. <laughs> Have to work the word celiac in there somewhere so people understand why. But I think funky stomach is very strong. Um, okay, so that that's what you know. It's so funny. You're going to be great at this because I had a question for you and you answered the question and just continued talking. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. easy for me. Thank God. <laughs> but um, okay, so let's put a little bit of context to funky stomach so that people who may be experiencing the same thing understand. What what okay. did you notice what was happening? What was that? What what did you notice? Like what made you like, you know, did you eat something and then or were you not connecting the dots in those first 10 years? Did you just so think in, my in the stomach first doesn't 10 work? Years, I don't think I was connecting the dots at all, nor were my parents. Um I think we had been to the gastroenterologist and been to the doctor. And we were always really on top of my health all throughout my entire life, basically. But I think at that point, a lot of people didn't really think celiac. They didn't really think all of these other things that could be the problem. You know, they just kind of would brush it off and say, oh, it's it's a funky stomach or it's your genes or, um, you know, maybe you have a sensitivity, but we're, we don't, we're not that concerned about it. So we well, they weren't that concerned, Lindsay, they weren't that concerned because they weren't in the bathroom with you after you ate. I bet you, you were concerned, right? I know they weren't living with me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I know a lot of other people with celiac and undiagnosed celiac say that they struggle like in the bathroom. Um, they really, they really are, their lives are affected terribly. And I don't think I was ever at that point. It didn't seem to be that drastic for me. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think we just kind of brushed it off for the first 10 years. And then once we put the pieces together and once we got the diagnosis, I um, it really all started to make sense. And the symptoms now that I know, they're bloating, they're discomfort, um, diarrhea, nausea. Um, I never had any vomiting, but I was often very tired just kind of lethargic and those really do fit the bill. Okay. So you eat something that doesn't, let's just say, agree with your, with your system. And then what's the timing? How long does it take for symptoms to pop up? How long do they last? So for celiac, for me, I would notice symptoms within about a half hour. Um, I would say a half hour to an hour. And I, I really don't know how that's possible. And I've asked this question to my doctor several times. We've kind of come up with an answer, which is 
a whole other conversation that I can touch on, but um, the celiac affects your small intestine. So for food to get to your small intestine, it's going to take quite a while. Um, so I'm not really sure how I'm symptomatic in such a small frame of time. But the one the one thing that I was going to mention is that I have figured out some other foods that I've had issues with, which has led me to also being on a, a low FODMAP diet, which is an acronym for um, different types of, of carbohydrates that are difficult to digest. Okay. And that's really where like a lot of different discomfort was coming from as well. Okay. All right. So you eat something, it hits you pretty quickly. Discomfort comes in all the ways that you described. Um, does it last for hours, days? It, it will last for days. So if I eat something with gluten in it, I will have severe just exhaustion, um, achy, achiness, almost flu-like or mild flu-like symptoms, just feeling absolutely terrible. Hmm. Um, and that will last for me for probably a couple of days. And the only thing I would be able to do to try and help that along is just hydrate, drink a ton of water. I exercise a lot. So I would do my best to really continue exercising. I feel like that can only help and just do your best to, to filter out whatever toxins, you know, I have in my body. It's crazy. It really is strange. And I'm assuming if you don't understand that this is why it's happening for food reasons, then you probably eat something that makes it keep going daily, right? There's probably no really getting out of it back before you understand it. It's just, you just think you have a funky stomach. Right. Yeah, exactly. I and see. I see. I, for me, I love food. I've, I've always been a great eater, even when I was a baby. So we were eating all sorts of different foods. And when I was little, we were traveling and we were just having a ball. And, um, you know, almost I felt like everything I ate affected me negatively um, in some way. Because at some point, probably in every meal, you had something, even if it wasn't everything, you had something that was impacting you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And now knowing what it is, gluten will hide in so many different things that people don't even know it, it's in. It's really tell, quite tell, interesting. Tell me about that. Where where would it exist? Like we think, I would think of bread, right? I'd be like, oh, I guess I guess Lindsay doesn't eat pizza and things like right. that. But where where is it that we don't think of it? So other things would be. Uh, different kinds of sauces. So some salad dressings, um, th like thick pasta sauces, uh, like a vodka sauce, Alfredo sauce, um, soups, a lot of soups have have wheat flour and gluten in it. Um, it's it's really a thickener. It's it's a protein. So it binds food, it makes food thick and yummy and delicious. And unfortunately, you know, those are those are <laughs> off the table. Um, a lot of people, we eat a lot of sushi, so a lot of people don't realize soy sauce has wheat in it. Um, beer, uh, a lot of different alcoholic beverages if you're over 21. Um, yeah, and of course, bread, um, all, any any kind of uh, carb, carby, would or starchy it, food. Would it be easier to list the things that don't have gluten in it? Yeah, than <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it would, it would. And it's it's really like, vegetables, fruit, chicken, fish, steak, um, those things are naturally gluten-free. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, and since I was diagnosed, 
it's become a real market for food. So there's so many different options now. So we have breads and pastas and um, all sorts of sweet treats and anything we could possibly imagine. Um, it's an autoimmune disease. Is that right? It is. Yes. Okay. Is that your only other autoimmune is type one and celiac? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. And, and, and so is it the lining in the, like, I know you said the small intestines, but it's something about the lining in the small intestines. Is it, they're like flattened out or something like that or. Yeah. So your small intestine has lining. They're made up of small little finger like objects called villi. And when a celiac patient eats gluten, the gluten, the body attacks that gluten as an invader and it will, the villi will become uh, flattened out. So normally they're like hair-like structures. They absorb things. They catch things as they travel through the small intestine and um, it will become, they will become flattened out over time, um, which really then causes um, inflammation um, damage. Um, and then of course, other things from that point, which would be malabsorption of anything that you're eating, um, uh, anemia and, and all sorts of different other problems. So then you start once this happens, once the gluten attacks that lining and starts flattening it out and causing all these other problems, you're also going to start having trouble absorbing other nutrients as well. Correct. Yeah, correct. And a lot of patients with celiac who are undiagnosed are really quite underweight or just very unhealthy. Um, they, they obviously, I would think most of them feel terrible um, and they're just not, they're not thriving. Yeah, that's very interesting and timely for me because if, you, if you're listening to the podcast, I, I, I don't think I've said it out loud like completely yet because I'm still trying to figure out how to talk about it, but I've learned that it's possible I have a genetic problem where I can't absorb iron cr- correctly. Okay. Yep. And um, so I've had a lot of these different tests, you know, the, the endoscopy, um, the other way, uh, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, I've swallowed a camera. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> wore like this purse around my, my neck for a bunch of hours and I could just pick it up and look at this little screen and watch the camera go through my system. And Oh my gosh, yeah. well, that's kind of cool. Well, yeah, I mean, but the camera came out. Lindsay, <laughs> I'm I'm glad it came out though. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that part I wasn't as thrilled about. And uh, <laughs> it, it, but it's very interesting that these two things they do sort of mimic each other. I have just started the process of getting involved in a study for people who don't absorb iron that's happening out of Boston Children's, I think. Okay. And um, we might be figuring out that my son has it as well. Oh wow. Um. But it's just, it's very interesting to see too how it affects me. But he being younger and more kind of, you know, vital than I am, obviously, where, <laughs> where he can kind of overpower some of the symptoms, unlike this, right. where this would just down anybody. It's just really fascinating that, that it's all the idea of your immune system seeing something incorrectly. Like just it's seeing the gluten incorrectly. That's the entirety of the problem. Is that really it? I believe so to wow. the best of my knowledge. Yes. And it is, it is very interesting. It's very scary. Um, autoimmune diseases, as you know, there's just so many question marks and there's so many of them and nobody really knows why this seems to happen. Yeah. It's quite scary. Why did people stop calling it celiac sprue? 
<laughs> I really don't know. I think people, I think people are just getting a little bit more used to it now. So my, they're just calling it celiac. celiac. <laughs> my wife's grandmother, or yeah, my wife's grandmother had it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she, if you asked her what was wrong, she'd be like, I've got the sprue. <laughs> and that would be, <laughs> I think I'm going to start saying that. Actually. Yeah, just start sounds, telling people you have, really, you have the sprue. Really interesting. I have the sprue. Um, I'm going to read, <laughs> I'm going to read for a second. An autoimmune reaction to eating gluten, a protein found in wheat, barley, and rye. Over time, the immune reaction to eating gluten creates inflammation that damages the small intestines lining, leading to medical complications. It also prevents absorption of some nutrients. The classic symptoms of like you mentioned, diarrhea, other symptoms include bloating, gas, fatigue, low blood count, anemia, osteoporosis, and many people can have this without symptoms. That's interesting. Uh, a yeah. mainstay of treatment is strict gluten-free diet that can help manage symptoms and promote intestinal healing. Okay, so once you figure this all out and you switch to a gluten-free diet, back before it was hip to say you weren't eating gluten, um, <laughs> and, and and before it was hip, I'm assuming it was difficult to find things that didn't have gluten in it. What did you do in the beginning? I remember it being very difficult. I remember um, really going through a whole extensive list of foods that I was going to have to eliminate from my diet. And being in high school, I I was kind of in denial about it. I was like, ah, this, you know, this isn't really a big deal. Um, I'll figure it out. And maybe I'll have a, a, you know, sneak a cookie here and there if I really want one. Um, that didn't last very long because once I realized what I was doing to myself, it, just with one cookie, I, I really kind of had like a total 180. Mm. I, I couldn't continue on that path. So we eliminated, uh, and we, meaning my, my parents and I, um, a lot of different foods and, and we had to just totally navigate the food store in a different way. Um, at that point there was some pasta that was out, which was made from quinoa, um, and maybe some, some rice pasta. But other than that, there wasn't much of anything at all. Okay. Um, yeah. And now there's a ton of stuff, but it's expensive, right? Yeah, yeah, there there is a ton of stuff. And it's it's pretty exciting. And I always tell people, like being celiac for so long now, it really makes food more exciting. If I find like a cupcake that I can eat or a really great bakery, it's just the most exciting day like <laughs> of the year. So um it, that's that's definitely the positive, but one of the negatives is yes, it, it is very expensive. Um, I, I but when you when you don't have a choice, you you just no. Of it course, out. I was wondering if you can't uh, submit your your grocery bill to your health insurance company. That'd be interesting. That oh, <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> um, I we we can uh, as far as I know, and I, I think I do still do this, but we can write off gluten free foods from our tax taxes, but. You know, your write-offs are not uh, super significant with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, write-offs are more exciting to talk about than they are when you watch how they kind of come together in your tax situation. You're like, oh, I did all this. I have this. I have that. And they, the guy comes back and he's, he tells me, he's like, uh, oh, yeah, it's a good thing you sent all this stuff in because it decreased your bill by. And I'm like, that's not enough money. Like, what are you talking no. about? <laughs> no, it's like $100 or something. Yeah, that, that's totally not exciting. No, you didn't excite me with that. But that's interesting no. that you can do that. Um, okay, so what is a like what's a day's worth of meals like for people who are listening right now who may think they have this and – you know, what do you get to eat and, and did you eventually get accustomed to it? 
All right, I feel some fast talking coming on. I'm going to get through all the ads without stopping. Here we go. The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor is a staple in my daughter's life. We make decisions about insulin dosing, direction, and speed of her blood sugar, all from the Dexcom G6. I can watch it on my iPhone. If you had an Android, you could watch it from there as well. Arden loves it. She loves not having to do her finger sticks. She loves being able to see the speed and direction of her blood sugar. She loves that we can pre-bolus and make good decisions about her meals that keep her blood sugars in a stable range. There's no more guessing about where your blood sugar is or if it's moving when you have the Dexcom because you can see the speed and direction. And a moment ago, I said I can see Arden's blood sugar on my phone. Well, that's because she can share her information if she wants to with up to 10 followers. This is for Android or iPhone. Please, please take it from me when I tell you that I was not nearly as good at diabetes before Dexcom as I am now with it. Check it out at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There are actually links in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com if you can't remember the link. Now, on to the Omnipod. My daughter started wearing it when she was four because I didn't want to send her to school on shots. So we got her on it before kindergarten started and we have never looked back. She is 16 right now and she has worn an Omnipod every day for the last 12 years. And it's been a friend the entire time. She's worn it while she's swimming, while she's running, while she's playing softball, taking a shower, and doing all of the other things that everyone does every day. Omnipod gives you the freedom to hide the pod if you want, or to wear it out where people can see it. It doesn't matter. It's completely flexible with your needs. And there's no tubing. You are not connected to a device or a controller when you're using the Omnipod. And that is an amazing feeling of freedom. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Omnipod would be thrilled to send you a free and no obligation demo of the pod right now. They'll send it to your house so you can wear it and see. If you don't like it, it's cool. And if you do, you can just keep going. It's amazing. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Speaking of amazing, Elizabeth Forrest started Touch by Type 1 a very long time ago. And she is building an amazing machine over there a machine that helps people with type 1 diabetes. I told you earlier, Elizabeth is going to be on the show pretty soon. But in the meantime, you can check out what she and the organization are doing at touchedbytype1.org. As a matter of fact, I'm doing a little thing for Touched by Type 1 at the end of February. And if you'd like to come, you can just go to their website and sign up. It's absolutely free. Touchedbytype1.org, go to programs, then upcoming events. And there it is, February 26th, Bold with Insulin Live. They're also, by the way, on Facebook and Instagram, so check them out. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well, but I didn't buy an ad on the show, so I'm probably not allowed to talk about it here. I should probably ask the boss. I just heard back, and it turns out if I wanted to talk about my Facebook and Instagram here, I'm allowed to. I'm at Juicebox Podcast on Instagram and Bold with Insulin on Facebook. That's the public page, and the private page is Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. And I have a blog, juiceboxpodcast.com. Actually, there's diabetespro-tip.com as well if you just want the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes, as well as the Defining Diabetes stuff. I mean, it's all right there in your podcast player, but there's a quicker way to it if you're just looking for them, diabetespro-tip.com.
Absolutely. I, I did get accustomed to it. I did. Um, it, it took me a little while to really get into a groove with what I like to eat and what I didn't like to eat. I mean, at, right now, um, there are so many options. So there, there's so many different choices for people. Um, but a day's worth of food for me, um, breakfast, I often have like a piece of gluten-free toast with almond butter. Um, I eat eggs a lot. So eggs are gluten-free, um, protein shakes. I found, um, some protein that is it's vegan and gluten-free and it doesn't upset my stomach. Um, lunch, I eat, I eat fruit, I eat yogurts. Um, I'm also dairy free, so I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> um, so all my yogurts are coconut and almond and uh, non-dairy. Um, and I feel like I have a huge variety of food that I choose from, but I'm, I'm like not thinking of all of them right now. I mean, we eat a lot of food in this house. So okay. um, we're definitely not not eating. What happens, like, are you married? Not yet, but I, hopefully soon. If he's listening from the other room, um, maybe he can take that as a hint. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I can try. What What's his name? No, Brian. Brian, buy a ring. What are you doing? There you go. Maybe you heard that. Um, and but that's my question: is the people that you you live with, do they have to eat this way with you too, or is it just impossible to not? Or is it? Do you just make two meals? How do you manage? So he eats gluten-free with me as well. We aren't a totally gluten-free household. So he has his own bread and English muffins and um, he has his own beer. So some things are in the house that are not gluten-free. But when I make a meal and I do most of the cooking, I will just prepare gluten-free meal. So he enjoys the pasta. He really can't tell the difference. Um, desserts really the same thing. He'll eat everything and he has no complaints about it. So it just makes it a little bit easier when you're, when you're making full meals, hmm. you're cooking and he hasn't bought a ring. That's all I heard. <laughs> just in case you're wondering, I would love for someone to cook for Very me. Nice to be honest. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah, I'm sure. I just, I want somebody to cook for me is really what I'm saying. Uh, but here's what you get when you're cooking as near as I can tell. Uh, no one, knows how much effort goes into it. And if they don't like it, they're very quick to tell you, ah, this wasn't very good. And you're like, oh, well, it still took me three hours. So I really right. appreciate you saying that. Um, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> seriously. It's so just, do, it's not fair. <laughs> do you find yourself trying to approximate quote unquote food from before in a gluten way, in a non-gluten way? Or like, like you said, you said there's a pasta that doesn't have gluten in it. But is there a way to just throw away, you know, modern eating? And like, what? how would you do that? Does that make sense? <sighs> I'm not sure I, I understand. Do you mean like if we, if we just didn't have the pasta? Well, or? no, I, I guess what I'm saying is that there's a way people think about eating, right? Like, and, you know, you, you'll say to someone, well, you can't have gluten anymore. And they're like, oh, and they start thinking no bread, no pasta, all these other things. But, right. but is there a way to just walk away from them and go, I just don't eat bread anymore. I don't need a, a bread that doesn't have gluten in it. And, and what would that look like if you just walked away from modern foods and went to things that didn't have gluten in it? Would you just be chewing on sticks and eating steaks or like, do you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to understand, like I'm trying to really yeah. understand what a person would do if they couldn't afford to buy what I'm assuming is a very expensive cupcake so that it actually tastes like a cupcake and doesn't have gluten in it. Yeah, it, it's very true. The, the, that is very expensive. The, the foods and especially the 
really well-made desserts and, and products, they're expensive. So it is unfortunate that there is a difference there. Um, you know, if somebody was to really just totally eliminate any kind of gluten item or, or, you know, trying to buy the gluten-free items, you would have all natural and all things made from the earth, basically vegetables, uh, fruits, meats, chicken, fish, um, rice is a big one. I'm not sure. You know, I, I think rice is, is pretty easily attainable. Um, but yeah, you would probably eat really, really well, as long as you balance things out as much as possible. In just the way that we would consider like clean, like no additives. It is what you see there. This is a, this is rice. This is a steak. There's nothing else that has been put into it or added. There's no anything else to it. This is, this is it. The basics like staples. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and it really would be a wonderful way to go about eating gluten free. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I, I think you would really, you probably feel better overall, as long as you're choosing the right veggies and fruits and, you know, whatever works for you, uh, especially with the type one, um, I think it would be, it would be great. And a lot of people with celiac, um, have kind of like rose colored glasses about this, the gluten-free food. Um, a lot of it is really not great for you. Um, there are other things that have to be added to make it you know, soft and and mushy and sweet and this and that. Um, so just because it's gluten free doesn't mean that it is healthy. Um, there are things that you can eat on occasion, but it's not. It's I, I don't think it's any better for you than the non gluten free option. So I brought that. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because when I was going through all the testing to figure out my iron issue, the one time the doctor just says to me, "Look, you don't appear to have a gluten sensitivity at all." He goes, but let's test it. And I was like, "Uh, okay. And so he says, so for a month, eat gluten-free. And I did. And I I put on weight from the – I went broke, I felt like, and I put on weight (laughs) is is how I felt. And didn't feel any differently because, of course, I'm not – I don't have celiac. So it was was an interesting month of of, – I didn't find it to be off-putting. Like there is some bread that's – fantastically good that doesn't have yeah. gluten in it oh yeah i fa- i figured that out but then i started learning what you were talking about which is there's just gluten things that you wouldn't you don't expect and so um but but anyway it's just i did i gained i gained a few pounds and i was like that's fascinating because in my mind i thought oh i'm eating healthier right and and you just said it it's it's not necessarily the case it's there's a lot of other things that are going in i'm assuming that have calories in them to try to make flavor in different ways. Is that kind of the idea? Absolutely. Yeah. I think I I can't speak for every single product, but I think a lot of the gluten-free products out there are probably more calorie dense than some of the non-gluten-free counterparts. I think that there's, it's not so much bad stuff, but it's just more stuff um, potentially in some, some products when people think they are actually doing better for themselves, which if they're eating gluten-free, they are, but of course, you know, loading up on all sorts of different gluten-free treats is not better for you. <laughs> yeah, you're sort of trading one problem for another one. Exactly. Right. Yep. Okay. So what is – this is one of my um, favorite words that I don't particularly understand, FODMAP. Uh, what, what, is, <laughs> what does that mean when people say I'm going to do like a low FODMAP diet? 
So a low FODMAP diet, um, I, I don't have all of the words for each part of the FODMAP acronym. Oh, don't but worry, I know you it's talk, I'll Google. <laughs> oligo something. Um, there are certain kind of carbohydrate that just simply are not well broken down and digested also by the small intestine. So a lot of times this food and it's not, it, it, it's other food like apples and, um, and different sweeteners. Like, uh, I think xylitol is one, uh, Brussels sprouts, all sorts of different foods. They, they're not well broken down and they end up kind of sitting in your intestinal tract and they start to almost like ferment, um, which of course causes inflammation, bloating, um, gassiness, discomfort. Oh. And the, when I was diagnosed celiac, um, that was one thing. And then I ended up eliminating dairy, um, several years later, which I was having some issues with. And then a few years after that, I kind of honed in with my gastro on this low FODMAP diet. And once I did that, I felt amazing. And okay. it's been quite some time now where I've been on this diet, or I don't even like to call it a diet, but following this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I feel like 100%. Okay, let me take a shot at this, right? No, <laughs> no one laugh at me. FODMAP is an acronym for fermentable oligodimonosaccharides and polyols. <laughs> that sounds right. Does it? That can't possibly be right. But uh, they, they are short-chain carbohydrates that are poorly absorbed in the small intestine and prone to absorb water and ferment in the colon. I don't think we want anything fermenting in our colon ever. That's um. I'm going to make that statement right here and now. Uh <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. So make so I'm trying to get a feeling for what what would be on a low FODMAP diet. So the things that I really eat a lot of um, broccoli, sweet potatoes, those are all low in FODMAPs. Mm -hmm. um, blueberries, raspberries, um, non dairy foods are low FODMAP. So um, we drink almond milk in the house. And any kind of non-dairy, um, um, you know, substance. Yeah. Um, brown rice, uh, almond and peanut butter, um, eggs. Those are all low FODMAP. Okay. So I've, I've found one now that I'm looking at. And it's funny. We don't, uh, we buy milk that has no lactose in it just for, because it seemed like the thing to do. And nobody really drinks milk all that often here. Mm -hmm. Um. But I, I like how this 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 chart I found is set up. It says avoid uh, excess <laughs> fructose, uh, lactose, uh, a bunch of different vegetables that I guess you wouldn't expect: asparagus, beet, root, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, eggplant, garlic, onions, shallots. Those are avo those are avoids. Um, avoid, yeah, and then, so uh, I eat broccoli with no problem, which is interesting. What? But yeah, the the tom like tomatoes and onions. Um, avocados bother me. I think they're on the list as well. Did you just do what the kids call, um, uh, what is that called when you're showing off, but you're trying to act like you're not, um, <laughs> damn it. I can't think of it. I'm so not a kid, <laughs> but you were just like, I eat Brussels sprouts. Like, like you were a superhero. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so cool. <laughs> me and my broccoli over here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Broccoli. No trouble here. 
I could knock it down <laughs> like it's nothing. Uh, a lot of poly, the polyols, apples, apricots, avocados. Oh, that's really interesting. But then the other side of it says you can enjoy <laughs> that it gives you a whole list of things like don't feel bad because you could have a mandarin. Um, <laughs> the um, oh, that's really interesting. The vegetables are more bamboo shoots, alfalfa, beet shoots, cel- celery. Does anyone enjoy celery? Um, I do. do so you? funny you say that. I just said yesterday how much I love celery, and I'm sure everybody's going to make fun of me for saying that. So. Lindsay loves celery. Strong, strong second t- uh, <laughs> episode title right there. Oh, parsnips. You can finally – hey, listen, everybody. You can finally learn what a parsnip is. Uh, what a great is, day. This is your time. <laughs> Go on Facebook later and tell people about it. Uh, I know what a parsnip is. I'm low FODMAP. You'll make all kinds of friends. Uh, <laughs> But the but the the real story here is that you say you feel amazing. I do. Okay. Yeah, uh, I do. I was really, I was really struggling with really I, the most thing, the biggest thing that I struggled with was the FODMAP issue. And it, I, I, the one example I can think of is for years I was having a protein shake after a workout or in the morning for breakfast, and I would put peanut butter and and blueberries and whatever, almond milk in it. And it was a couple hours later, I would be just so uncomfortable. I would be so bloated, um, just uncomfortable, mm. gassy, bloated, whatever. So I, I, I was, I spent a year trying to figure out what the heck it was. And it was the protein powder. It was the, the vegan protein powder was made from pea protein, which is, I really think it's the most common vegan, like plant-based protein powder. Mm-hmm. Um, the pea protein was killing me. And I now know that. And it's like eliminated so many issues for me. I, I use rice protein, um, which doesn't cause any kind of adverse reactions. No kidding. By the way, the thing I was trying to think of earlier, humble brag. Um. <laughs> <laughs> do you hear my Omnipod beeping in the background here? I do. Are you Are you putting it on right now? No, I oh. had it. I don't know. Oh, it's expiring. Here we go. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. That, that beep, right? Dun, 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 dun. You're like, I'm getting it. Calm down. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Relax over here. I hear you. All right. Um, so you found a guy who's willing to do it with you. Not by a mm-hmm. ring, but he's willing to eat gluten-free. That's nice. And <laughs> um, And you feel a million percent better. Talk about a little bit, what is it like to tell another person you're gluten-free, especially when it became chic for a while? Did people look at you sideways or do you just keep it I, to yourself? I, I felt that way. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt that people were getting a little judgy with me uh, just because I always worry that people think I'm doing it just to kind of get attention or to stand out. And that's that's not the case at all. I, I don't want that extra attention and, and care like from, you know, random people or from anybody. Um, so that was really my biggest concern telling people initially, um, I'm kind of outgoing, so I don't really have a problem talking about it. The same thing with, with type one, I really don't have any issues talking about it, but I always do wonder if people think I'm just like exaggerating something or, you know, being difficult. 
Right. No, I mean, it did really become, like, chic is the word. Like, everybody stopped eating. Like, I'm not going to eat gluten. I farted once. I'm not going to eat gluten anymore. You know, like, that kind of thing. I, I mean, and it is a common thing. When I was looking earlier, it's that there's more than 200,000 cases a year in the U.S., which makes it a, a common ailment. Wow. Um, but yeah. even when you say that, I mean, think of, you know, you heard a lot more than 200,000 people tell you they don't eat gluten anymore, especially online where everybody's like, oh, I don't eat gluten. I don't do that. And I'm not saying like you even I mean, it seems to me that even if you don't have celiac, not eating gluten might be a really you know healthy thing for you to do um, right. just because, you know, isn't that interesting? Like what we're talking about here is a lot of foods that, you know, are very and I, I don't know how to talk about this correctly, but, you know, processing wheat is is a is not a, a thing we've been doing forever, you, you know, right. like crushing wheat and turning it into flour and processing foods in general uh, is still a more, you know, hundreds of years, you know, thousands of years thing, not millions of years thing. Um, and so, I mean, you're, there's just a list here of things that, you know, you would eat if you were wandering around in America or somewhere else on the planet and trying mm -hmm. to fend for yourself out of trees and bushes and things like that. And I'm seriously, right. You know? Yeah. yeah. And then some brilliant guy comes along and figures out puff pastry. And now you, now you can't poop, right? It just, it's not yeah. fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it causes a whole bunch of problems and who knows? A lot of people say that they, they do think, and there's been studies showing that that could be considered part of the problem here. Hmm. Um, you know, personally speaking, I, I try and avoid, as much processed food, gluten-free food as possible. But I also love to eat and I love to eat well. And, and, you know, we, we, it has to balance. It has to be a balance. Yeah. Um, but with, with people going gluten-free just voluntarily, there's a lot of people that do it. And I think a lot of people do it because they're also having issues. They're having digestive issues. They're bloated they don't know what the heck is wrong. And hey, why not try it? See if it helps. And if it helps them, whatever. And that's is good. Is, is that considered like a gluten sensitivity if you don't have like the full blown, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like so um, gluten sensitivity would, as far as I understand it, would not be considered an autoimmune disease, but something's, something's going on with your body just doesn't like the gluten protein. Yeah. So that, um, so that low FODMAP way of eating could help with other like gastrointestinal problems and like irritable bowel, bloating, stuff like that. Like it could really address a lot of different issues. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people with IBS and Crohn's do follow the, the low FODMAP diet. Uh, it, it, as far as I've heard, it helps immensely with those issues. I got to say, anything that stops something from fermenting in my colon, I think is probably a good idea. Uh, <laughs> I, I I try really hard. Um, this last year, I've been, I should say, trying uh, hard and, and succeeding in not eating processed foods. So I just sort of made a blanket statement to myself, like if it comes in a bag or a box, I stay away from it, um, right. even down to like, you know, different oils. Like I won't, I won't use, um, an olive oil that's heat pressed or processed. Right. I only use cold pressed, um, non-processed olive oil to cook with. Right. Uh, and it's made a difference. I am, um, since the beginning of the Corona outbreak and I've, I've said it on here a couple of times, but you know, as, as we were all like kind of getting like locked into our houses, I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, 
yeah, this isn't going to go well for you, 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 you know, and um, this is going to end bad. Oh, my God. I'm I, like, I don't know if they'll be able to get me back out the door once they get me in the house. Right. And so I was like, so I'm like, what do I do? And all I did was I cut out certain oils. I only use cold pressed, non-processed oil that I do use. And I'm eating on a, um, what do they call that? I, it's weird that I'm doing it. And I say it to people all the time. And now when I need the word, when I'm being recorded, (laughs) I can't think of it, but, uh, holy hell, Lindsay, I only eat organic or, uh, um, it's about the timing. This is embarrassing. Um, I swear I'm actually doing it. What do they, everyone listening right now is yelling. If this is what it's called, idiot, I don't even do it and I know what it is. Um, intermittent fasting. I, I eat on an intermittent oh, okay. fasting schedule. So um, I choose eight hours of the day, normally between 11 and seven, or if I get pinched in the morning, like from noon to eight, and I only eat in that time frame. Okay. And so beyond taking out processed stuff, and only eat in that time frame. I haven't changed anything, and I might be closer to thirty pounds down since the beginning of Corona than not. Oh wow! Isn't that interesting? And I'm not limiting myself during the eight hours. Good for you. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm. And but as you're talking, and this whole series that I'm going to do here about different ways that people eat, I'm, I've just become very interested in it. Like someone had a, a Dorito the other day, and I looked at it and I thought. There would have been a time in my life where I would have seen a Dorito and thought to myself, those things are so fake and they taste like crap. And then I would have eaten a whole bag of them. (laughs) And uh, and now somebody kind of like held the bag towards me. I was like, nah, I I don't I would I just wouldn't eat that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's it's an interesting way you can watch your mindset sort of like change. And, And really, I think sugar is the last hill for me, honestly, because. Um, I still, if I get some sugar in me, I turn into like, I'm like the sugar version of a heroin addict. I'm just, I'm just like, you know, someone's like, Oh, look, here's a little candy. And you're like, Oh, a little candy. It tastes like cherries. And I put it in my mouth. And then I find myself wandering around the house going, where's that bag of little candies that tastes like cherries. (laughs) Find that bag so that I can eat every one of those things and make them go away. So they stop tormenting me. Uh, you know, it it, it, it turn into Gollum pretty quickly. Uh, (laughs) well, and that's like, it really is a lot of your mental, status and your mental energy, you have to kind of change the way that you think. And once you round that corner, turn that corner uh, with maybe not having sweet stuff every day or whatever it is, you, you change and you, once you start to feel better, then you, you're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Yeah. What do you do for, do you have a sweet tooth? Do you ever get a craving? Occasionally. uh, I always say that I think my sweet tooth is like, just very minimal because of type one. Um, I, we, we never really had a ton of sweet stuff in my house when I was growing up. And mm. when I was first diagnosed, it was always like um, just an occasional thing, holidays or, or whatnot. Um, so I, I don't really have a sweet tooth. I have a, I love salty foods. <laughs> so it's the same premise when you, when you eat a lot of salt or, um, add salt, you start wanting more and needing more to taste. So um, that's something that I have to keep an eye on. Like you just can't get it. Like enough is never enough. Right. You just have right. to keep it. Like, like popcorn. Yeah. I could just put salt on the popcorn like crazy and 
it would just it, it and then you feel terrible because you're like all bloated and yeah, and you have to keep escalating to get the same high out of the salt at some point yeah. you're just going to start licking the salt shaker and then throwing the popcorn into your mouth exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. no i have yeah. a yeah i have a comparison that i'm not going to make here but actually i'm going to make it and then i'll bleep it out for you but it's like right like you start <laughs> You start with like, oh, this is nice. The two of them seem to like each other. And then by the end, you're like, can someone get a dog in a in here? And you, this just isn't doing it for me anymore. It just totally goes off the rails. Yeah, yeah. Lindsay, wait till you hear that played back all bleeped out and you can't figure out what we're talking about. Only you are going to get to laugh. Isn't that nice? I, I'm honored. I cannot wait. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I think that. I think that what I'm learning and what kind of drove me towards, because I have to say, like, if you, you do listen to the podcast, I I really believe that anybody can do whatever they want. And it's possible that one of you out there is doing something that's really unhealthy for you, but that's your decision. I have no business making that decision for you. I just want you to understand how to manage your insulin while you're making the decisions you're eating about food. That That's really my like entire goal about the podcast, yeah. right? Yes. But I, I am becoming more interested in letting people describe the different ways that they eat because I realize that there's huge segments of people who are going to eat gluten-free and the, you know, some people are going to do intermittent fasting and some people are going to do, you know, other ideas. And so I've tried to line up a lot of people. I've had a lot of success. Yours is the first one I'm recording, but, um, awesome. but I want people to come on and talk about their different you know, food eating styles. And I don't think of them as diets really. Um, right. just ways of ways of eating that, that end up being beneficial to you. And you know, that's it. I just, I mean, it could not have been fun the 10 years you spent, you know, struggling like that. And it's really amazing that you found something that works for you. So, um, I guess like spend a little bit of time here and tell me, is there any impact on your type one before you went gluten-free and after? Not that I can remember. I, I don't remember having any adverse reactions before I was diagnosed, before I was gluten-free um, compared to after. Although I was, I was younger and it was quite some time ago, but um, nothing really stands out to me in, in great detail. Um, I was diagnosed when I was six and I was um, doing injections for, gosh, up until about 2007 when I started on the Omnipod. Okay. And um, I, I've always been pretty on top of the diabetes. Of course, every day is different and a challenge, but um, my parents, I'm an only child and my parents really took a lot of time with me when I was little to get me on the right track and, and make sure I understood how things were important or, you know, how to handle different things and whatnot. So, so ev even though you were bloated and uncomfortable and, and making what I'm imagining is just horrible poops. Um, it just, <laughs> <laughs> you, your, your blood sugar control didn't suffer it within that situation. No, not that I can remember, uh, nothing that would, would have been really directly related to the celiac being undiagnosed. Okay. Hey, listen, now that you're not gluten-free, do you ever stand up from the toilet, look in there and go, Oh my God, that thing is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. You've never thought that? Like, I make the greatest shits now? Like, you've never had that thought? <laughs> Although, you know, I'm sure, I, I know, I know people do that. Um, And hey, 
I, I know I'm not judging you. You should be proud of what you do. I hear in you. Life. I think people should stand up and celebrate and be like, my God, look at that thing. Perfect size and shape. Came right out. So healthy. <laughs> I'm so healthy. My uh, daughter has a friend, Sanja. She calls. Uh, she goes. She'll say, uh, "Mr. Bennett, did you? Uh, do you have a ghost?" And I'm like, "What?" And she goes, "A ghost. You know, when you don't really have to wipe." And I'm like, "Wait, that's what that is." <laughs> that's a great name. I was like, "Is that an internet thing, or did you make that up?" <laughs> so, and then I went, that's "Amazing." You're still wiping though, right? And she goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." But you know what I mean. And I'm like, I think I do. Yes, that is so awesome. <laughs> I, I think I do. Uh, it's funny that girl's um, a vegan, but okay. but it's interesting because some of the ways she gets the vegan are less than healthy. And it, you made me think of her earlier when you were talking. Like, you know, you can eat a cupcake and say, you know, like that's wrapped in a piece of plastic that you bought in the grocery aisle that you know could live through a nuclear war and go, I'm vegan. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, we're going to dig into all that. Okay, so um, run me through a day. You get up in the morning, what do you eat for breakfast? So most common breakfast would be a piece of gluten-free toast with almond butter or organic peanut butter. Okay. Um, sometimes I put some blueberries on top of it, and that's really going to be dependent on what my sugar is and <laughs> what I'm doing afterwards. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that's really what I eat most mornings, other mornings I'll have, um, uh, like eggs and maybe, uh, a piece of toast or I, I love sriracha on my eggs. So that's definitely one of my favorites. Okay. Um, and then, um, uh, do you want me to go through the whole thing? Yeah. Like, do you snack in mid afternoon? Do you have lunch? Like what happens next? Yeah. So, um, I, I usually eat three square meals a day with, some snacks mixed in depending on my work schedule and depending on my sugar, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, lunch a lot of times uh, is a protein shake. So I'll have a protein shake with a little bit of dairy-free yogurt and a little bit of frozen fruit and some peanut butter. Uh, so that that's, that's lunch. And that's probably, I think that's about between 30 and 35 carbs, depending on the fruit. And uh, dinner, I mean... We could go crazy. We had sushi last night. Um, we love steak. We love chicken, barbecue chicken, sweet potatoes, um, mashed sweet potatoes, um, baked sweet potatoes, uh, yeah. <laughs> sweet potatoes all gratin without, of course, any cheese or milk or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and you can make all of those like really good, yummy foods, gluten and dairy free. It just may take a little bit more time and energy, but. Um, yeah, broccoli, um, salmon, fish, shrimp, crab legs. We we love it. Do and all that stuff. Yeah. I do usually have dessert. And of course, again, it's going to be dependent on my sugar and how late it is and a bunch of other things. Did I work out that day? <laughs> um, but we'll have, oh gosh, I don't even know, a um, little bit of a gluten-free brownie or part of a cupcake or something like that. Yeah. Hey, listen, you remember when we used to go to the movies? What did you get when you went to the movies? Did you bring something with you? Uh, that's a really good question. I usually just get popcorn. Oh, because you can have that. Yeah. So no problem. Yeah. Got it. You're not do yeah. you find yourself smuggling food into places ever? <laughs> um I do I, I have at times. And in the past, it's actually more so been for dinner purposes. So if we go out to eat and I want to have some kind of pasta dish, I'd bring my own pasta. But 
there would have to be a conversation there with, with the restaurant or with the cook about using a different pot and um, making sure they're cooking it in a, in a separate pot of water, basically. Cause a lot of restaurants, they'll just cook all their pasta in the same pasta water. And um, that obviously would not work for someone with celiac. So uh, yeah, because all that, everyone can imagine making pasta and there's that, like thickness that that happens in the water that is yep. i guess the gluten right yeah that's yeah. the starch that that comes off of that pasta noodle and that's a whole other thing i mean eating out there's a risk of cross contamination um i always try and let them know and of course you know a lot of places are just more aware of these things right now but you have to be super careful and i'm not going to drive myself absolutely crazy. I'm not going to go in and inspect the kitchen and, you know, demand all these crazy things, but, um, you have to really be mindful and you do have to hopefully trust that these people are doing the right thing. Yeah. Is it, is it one of those things where you can just tell like an hour later, you're just, I don't know, let's say farting in the car and you think to yourself, (laughs) there's no way they wash that pot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You, you'll, you'll know, you'll just, just, I, I really wish I thought about this prior to talking to you because I really don't know how else to say it other than just being really uncomfortable, especially as a woman, you know, if you're going out to dinner and you're with your boyfriend or your friends and you're in a dress and heels or whatever, and you eat something that you shouldn't have, you're just like super uncomfortable. All you want to do is just rip your clothes off and get in your PJs and go to bed. Go home. Um, you, what? That makes me ask one to ask you, what's it like to have sort of a gluten issue on top of your period? Um, for me personally, I wouldn't really consider it any different than okay. I guess what it should be. Yeah, I don't think there's any any change there. There's only there's only so much bloating and uncomfortableness a body can <laughs> make, I guess. Yeah, yeah, there there's a yeah there's you. a limit there. I, you know, I try my best to, for me, exercising is, is what, what eliminates that stuff. Even if I'm super uncomfortable, I try and just keep moving and keep drinking water. And those two things for me seem to help eliminate a lot of those issues. Yeah. Is there any other physical symptoms? Like, I don't know, I'm making things up, but joint pain, headaches, or does any of, or is it all just pretty much stay in in your belly and your digestive tract? Yeah, there's a whole there's a, a plethora of other symptoms that people have. Um, occasionally through my life, I have gotten them. Um, I, of course, I wouldn't know 100% if they were celiac related or if I had eaten gluten at the time. But um, the most common other symptoms for celiac would be the joint pain, absolutely like an arthritic feeling. Um, people start losing hair. Um, people get dizzy and um, have blurred vision. And um, there's also a a type of dermatitis, like a skin rash that would be caused uh, directly caused by gluten. So people do break out in rashes and all sorts of different things. Hmm. I'm on a bunch of different Facebook forums for celiac and celiac type ones. And I see people asking about all sorts of different things you would never even think of. Well, I'm going to ask you this because I'm in the middle of trying to help Arden with something. If I said to you, it feels like your bones are bruised, is that a feeling you've ever had? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Okay. Absolutely. Or maybe um, for somebody who who goes out and likes to party, maybe feeling uh, hungover. I think that's another good comparison. Just 
just exhausted, terrible, um, watery eyes, um, headache, achy, kind of just flu like. Can't get feeling. rested. Yeah. Neck yeah. stiffness, muscles, or no? Um, not so much for me, but mm-hmm. absolutely. You I have think heard it from all other people. Of these different patients present with all these different symptoms that seem kind of far out there, but I, I do think that they are all related to celiac. It's undiagnosed. There's part of me that thinks I should just put Arden on an IV drip for a month and then let her stop eating. <laughs> we can oh. just, just start, take her back to like zero and start over again. Um, yeah. That, that, oh. Did you have to do an elimination diet at first or did you just cut everything out? Uh, we did our best to just cut everything out. Mm. I, I don't remember... Um, I remember having the conversations with my parents. I remember them going through all of these different foods that we were going to eliminate and that we were going to keep. And um, I don't remember like throwing out the kitchen at that time and, and, you know, starting from zero, but I know that that's what pretty much what we had to do. Okay. That's interesting. It really is. I appreciate you talking about this. It's obviously personal, but you were really excited to to help when I, when I kind of put the call out. I, and I appreciate that very much. Um, I, it's well, something I just I'm don't super, understand. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I love the podcast. I, I am somewhat new to it. Um, I think it's been a couple of months actually, maybe since Corona started and, um, being a diabetic for 27 years, it has changed so much of the way that I think about things because you do. And I know you've discussed this before you do fall into certain patterns and, and just, you get complacent with, with things sometimes. And it really, you've, you've helped me. So I'm happy to chat here with you. That's very nice. I was wondering if we were going to take a couple minutes to talk about how terrific I was, and this is really a good time for it. (laughs) Yeah, you've, you've been great. I really do appreciate. Yeah. I'm, Kidding, but thank you. And I'm glad the uh, I'm glad I have to say I'm kidding for the five people who are like don't understand sarcasm and they're right now running to like a review somewhere. I go, this guy is so full of himself and he just said that he's great. And I'm like, ah, all right, I heard you. You guys got to get out to the East Coast once in a while, talk to other people. Um, (laughs) Lindsay knows she's from right around here. We could probably have done this in person, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm really thrilled that the podcast has been helpful for you. And and the complacency is something that I find in my own life all the time where you just sort of, you get that drift up and you're like, ah, oh, it's only 160. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. You know, and then before you know it, it's three weeks later and, you know, you've got some app that tells you your A1C, you know, has gone up, uh, you know, a half a point and your, you know, your variability is growing and your standard deviation is getting bigger and you just think, well, what should I do? And you look and you go, ah, I just probably need some more basil here. And then you're done. And it's, you yeah. know, something that's, it's pretty easy, just hard to see in the moment. You know, it's one of those, it's one of the macro things where you have to step back and see the whole thing and get out of this minute to minute, you know, fight that you're in and, and start thinking about the whole war, I guess, for the. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just really how you're, how the human brain handles things. You, you, start something and it's kind of working and you go with it and then it just continues and mm. maybe it gets worse and nothing, you can always do better. And that's uh, definitely been brought to light. Well, how else, right? Could you, could you put yourself in a, p- a situation where you know that having a slice of pizza is going to send you into like stomach cramps and, you know, two hours in the bathroom and still the next time you see a pizza, just go, all right, and just do it again. You know, if you, yeah. you start feeling like, yeah. well, I guess this is how my life is. And yeah, um, it, I guess it doesn't need to be, especially if you have beet shoots, 
Then <laughs> I mean, I, I there's no comparison. <laughs> if I opened your refrigerator, would I just be like, I don't recognize any of these foods? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you would, you would be. I'm sure you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this has a face. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it's very nice that um that you're. I guess. Well, I was gonna say fiance, but obviously not. Um, your <laughs> your your guy friend, which I'm assuming is what your mom calls him, uh, is <laughs> that boy. Uh, it's very nice that he's doing it with you. Um, you know, as much as he can. Like, yeah, I know you said he has separate foods that are his, but. But it's it's very cool, and I think that it's um, it just to have support around this sort of thing, I don't think can probably be undervalued because you probably feel like you probably felt already pretty alone with diabetes, and then add this, and am I wrong or? Yeah, you're right. Uh, The support in any situation, diabetes, celiac, or anything in life is really just so important, and um, even not just with him, but with, with his family and his parents and, and our friends, all of our friends are, they know, and they're mindful. So it's just nice to know that people, it's nice to know when people think about you, um, and, and maybe go out of their way to, to get you something or, you know, make dinner a little bit more special, uh, for you. And it doesn't, it's just, it's lovely. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. Hey, are there people who do a better job with gluten-free foods than others? Like, do you sometimes eat it and just like, do, does your tongue just come out of your mouth and you just let it fall out of your mouth thinking like, oh, yeah, this is terrible? Or like, do, where do you find a gluten-free bakery, I guess I'm saying? Like, where do you, how did you well, track them down? There's a, there's a few. There's there's actually several in New Jersey. Um there are, there's one down South. It's about an hour and a half from me. And there are several up, uh, kind of close to the city. And of course there's a, a whole bunch of places in, in the city. Um, so you, I've just found them through talking to people and, and Facebook and, um, it's amazing. I mean, I, I will drive an hour and a half. Actually, I, I, I've run a marathon and, after the marathon was done, I had my mom waiting there with a cinnamon bun. But prior to that, we drove an hour and a half just to get a couple of cinnamon buns for the end of the race, because it's just such an exciting venture to have like this gooey (laughs) icing covered cinnamon roll. See, when you simplify your life, small things can be very exciting. And and that's so true. Yeah, it's really cool. Do you see yourself having a breakdown ever? um, Or do you think this is something you can just easily do your whole life? It's something that I, I will do my whole life. Yeah. Um, I won't ever voluntarily break down and eat something that's not gluten-free. Um, especially now I am 33 and we, you know, not right away, but we would like to have a baby one day. And I definitely don't want to jeopardize my health in any way. Yeah. So this is going to be, this is it. Good for you. Well, I think it's interesting to to hear you speak, and I'm hoping that other people coming on are going to kind of follow similarly, that you're not a zealot or a lunatic. And, you know, because I think I think there are some people who could, could easily think, oh, you don't eat gluten. This must be a, you know, just a, a raving loon, you know, and then, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're just clearly a very normal, nice person. So well, thank you. Yeah, that's it. You're, well, you're from Jersey. How could you be a bad person? <laughs> Honestly. This is true. By the way, are you from here? Because no one's really from here, are they? Oh, I'm from here. Oh, wow. I didn't think anybody <laughs> was born in New Jersey. I thought we just all ended up here somehow. 
<laughs> we just got lost and, and ended up here. Yeah. Well, I always just think it's a job, you know, like you get a job and you move to New Jersey or you don't want to live in the city. So you're going to commute. And that's, True. yeah, I just thought of this as like a holding place for other people, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess there now my kids are born in New Jersey, so they're from here, <laughs> you know, yep. got to live with that shame now. <laughs> it's it's a good thing no i mean, I, I actually most, like it here a lot i don't i don't um i don't have any trouble with new jersey whatsoever um no yeah absolutely not we have pharmaceutical companies and banks and those There's, circles to make left turns with we have all kinds of stuff oh yeah uh, well yeah all of our our rules and and driving habits are like very strange. Foreign to the rest of the country. Yeah. And what about those beaches where the water doesn't get warm? That's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my funny. God. Did we not say anything that you are going to like five seconds from now when I say goodbye, go, oh my God, how did I not say this? Or do you think we did a good job here of explaining it to people? Um, actually, yeah, there was one thing that I did want to want to discuss real quick was that um when I was diagnosed and when I was diagnosed with diabetes. Um, and I know we've, or your, the, the podcast has discussed this before. Um, I had uh, chicken pox prior to the type one diagnosis and the doctors all thought that that was related. Um, when I was uh, diagnosed with celiac, I had been um, in a, a, a stressful kind of life changing and not necessarily negative stress, but a very stressful long-term situation and all of my doctors also felt that that stress did kind of bring out the celiac. Um, it, you know, your immune system was maybe a little bit compromised and something just clicked and that's how it happened. So I've read that a lot. Um, my doctors have also kind of agreed with that. And I think that's something to just know that, that a lot of people say if you're sick or if you're under a lot of pressure or stress, um, that may be the cause of some of these things. Or not the cause, but what actually brings it out. Yeah. So everyone sit in the middle of a dark room and hum to yourself for the rest of your life. That's it. No <laughs> yeah. More. Yeah. Just just don't do anything. Yeah. No more interacting. <laughs> Turn the news off too, by the way. Uh, oh, please. Yeah. No, it's in, it is interesting because as we've been working with Arden and she's getting more frequent blood draws as she's trying to figure stuff out. Every once in a while, like her, like you know, it's like a every. I don't know, it's not like on any schedule, but like you'll see her white blood cells pop up like she's fighting some sort of an infection or something like that. But okay. you don't you don't see it in her in her life. Like you don't you wouldn't look at her and go, oh, she's sick right now or right. you know something like that. But she'll have these white blood cells that indicate an infection fight. And then the next time she has the blood draws, everything's perfect again. Right. And right. It's, it's just interesting. You don't know what your body's going through. And and the way I like to think about food is this and I'll leave I'll leave everyone with this and I'm certainly not the gold standard for this idea but I'm trying to be um, just because your body can process it doesn't mean you should eat it absolutely you, right just because it goes in your mouth and comes out the other side and you're still alive when it's over doesn't make it a good idea not all yep. the time so I'm trying to figure out what those things are for me and I think everyone should be doing their best to consider what those things are for them I agree I think that's a great way to think yeah. Go. I really appreciate you doing this. Would you hold on for one second? And uh, sure. thank you. A huge thank you to Lindsay for coming on the show and sharing all that she knows about type one diabetes and celiac disease. Thanks also to Dexcom, makers of the G6 continuous glucose monitor, and Omnipod 
makers of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. I also want to thank Touched by Type 1. You'll be able to find all the sponsors at juiceboxpodcast.com or in the show notes of your podcast player. But if you want Dexcom, it's dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Omnipod is myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox and touchedbytype1.org.